have a question for you. How many of you have a smartphone or a computer that maybe you've had for a little while and you've noticed something? It's not operating as quickly or efficiently as it used to. It's slowing down. Getting a little buggy. Maybe even crashing all the time and you're right in the middle of stuff and it's crashing. It's like, what's the matter with this? Could I suggest to you, maybe it's because you have not been upgrading its operating system. It's possible. It's possible. In fact, I have someone who lives in my home. I'm not going to say her name, (laughs) but it's only me and one other person. She has been known for sometimes being several updates behind on her smartphone. It's like, what in the heck? But she'll say things like, why would I want to change what I already like? I like my phone the way it is. I don't want it to change. So she doesn't hit that little update button maybe as often as as she should. Listen, and it's not only that our computers or smartphones start kind of working more slowly when we don't upgrade. There's another problem as well. In fact, while I was preparing this message this week, Apple came out with this like huge security notification. Please update your phones right now. And what they had discovered is that there was a problem in their operating system that was allowing hackers to basically take over your entire cell phone, like your your whole phone. It like would plant malware in it. They could access your data. They could read your messages. They could actually turn on your camera or your microphone and take over your whole device. And everybody's like reaching for their phone, like very slow, like, did I update my phone? Well, hey, if the hackers are listening in right now, Jesus loves you and stop hacking, okay. But it's a problem. It's a real problem. In fact, what uh, computer experts tell us is that when we expose ourselves to those kind of vulnerabilities by not upgrading our operating system, what ends up happening is that we can experience identity identity theft. Did you know that just in America alone that 15 million people every year experience identity theft? Wow. One in three Americans have already experienced this. I'm one of the three, okay? One out of three Americans. And this is a huge issue. Not only does it take a lot of time and it's so frustrating, but it's expensive. In the year 2020, which is like the last year they had kind of data on this, just in America, $56 billion were lost due to identity theft. This is a massive, massive problem. So why am I talking to you about your smartphones and computers and upgrading your operating system? Because of this. This is not only a problem with your technology. This is a problem with your spirituality. Say it again. 
I ain't just talking about your technology. I'm talking about your spirituality. Have you ever felt like your faith was getting a little bit sluggish? Man, that doesn't feel like my walk with Jesus is clicking along the way it used to. Man, it used to feel fresh and alive. It used to feel good. It used to feel just like joy-filled and light. And now it's like heavy. It's like a burden. Man, even coming to church is like, man, this is like, this is an issue for me because it just feels like work. You ever been there? You ever feel that way? Could it be that it's been a while since you have upgraded your faith? And you're like, upgrade my faith? I, I don't even know if that sounds right. I mean, I, like, I remember when I said yes to Jesus and put my trust in him. What's the deal? I mean, isn't faith faith? Isn't like just saying once to Jesus, yes, I, I put my trust in you, I accept you. Isn't that enough? It may surprise you that it's not enough and that God's word actually shows us, tells us, urges us to upgrade our faith. Today we're starting this new series about upgrading our faith. Man, I'm, I am, I've been leaning into this now for some months. I've been so excited about bringing you this word. But here's, here's a little warning to you. Don't get lost in the technology conversation. This is not just about technology. In fact, all the technology and the language about upgrading is just an illustration, my friends. Because God has something more for you. And he does not want your life to become something that is sluggish or becomes vulnerable to attack. And that vulnerability is real in your spiritual life. It's real. We have an enemy of our soul who is looking to exploit any little weakness, any little like chink, right, in the armor. He is looking for an opportunity to slip in, and he's really good at it. Why? Because he's been doing it for thousands of years with billions of people. So he knows what to look for. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything about your life, but he's watched enough folk that he's got a really good idea of when he sees you do something and make a decision or you ain't upgrading your faith, you know what ends up happening? He goes, oh, I've got a vulnerable target right there. I'm going after her. I'm going after him. And you know what he does? He wants to steal your identity. Well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean, that? I mean this. There is nothing more important than your identity in Christ. Who you are in Christ. There's nothing more important. I mean, Jesus paid the price so that you could enter relationship with him. In fact, he says that you're part of my family. You're one of my kids. You are a child of God who has been cleansed, forgiven, made right with the Lord. It's amazing. And he's given you his Holy Spirit to live within you, to empower you to live this kingdom life along with God. That is your identity. A child of God, forgiven, blood-bought, empowered, 
by the Holy Spirit. That's your identity. And you know what? The enemy of your soul hates that. Hates it. And, does, and has no other goal other than to take that away from you and say, yeah, 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 that's not who you are. I'm taking that identity. And when we fail to upgrade our faith, we are not only at risk of starting to have this sluggish works mentality, this heavy burden of a faith. But man, we are exposing ourselves to this huge risk, and that is the enemy of our soul having an entry point into our story and taking from us that which Jesus has given us. In your notes that you should have received when you walked in, if you didn't get a handout, an upgraded faith, just wave your hands. We got an usher that's ready to run one right over to you. You're going to see that today we're looking at a passage that was written by the disciple Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, an incredible man of God. And it's in 2 Peter chapter 1 that that Peter talks about this whole idea of upgrading your faith. We're going to get to that, but we're going to start in verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 1. You can read along with me. He says this. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything. Now listen, hopefully you've got a pen or a pencil or something like that. And there's going to be some words in here you're going to want to like highlight, underline, circle, put big smiley faces next to, okay? Whatever it takes for you. One of the words here that you wanted to circle right away is the word everything, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us. Not another bad phrase there to underline. We've been called by God to himself, it says. He called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So check this out. It says, by God's divine power, he did this. Like his unmatched power, by that he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. Like for for everything I need. He's given it to us. Listen, guys, that is the story of the gospel. That Jesus paid the price, took the penalty for my sin that I deserved, took that upon himself. And now has welcomed us into relationship with himself and has given us his spirit so that we can walk in kingdom authority with him. Friends, that's the gospel. It is everything that we need to live successfully, to thrive, to flourish in life. And it says that we've received all of this simply by saying yes to his invitation, that he called us to himself. And so we, we receive all of the, the goodness of the gospel, everything we need, we receive by just saying yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to him? Have you said yes to his invitation? In your notes there, there's a, there's a blank, a little fill-in. And I, wanna, I want you to think about this, that our faith in Jesus is the operating system of our lives. It's the operating system. 
that Jesus paid the price to have for us, to give this to us. Our faith in Jesus becomes this operating system of our lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I am talking about. In the same way that computers and smartphones need an operating system in order that they would be able to function, we all have an operating system that we live by. Now, before we came to Jesus and received this faith-based operating system, we, didn't, we just kind of had our own, something that we had patched together just out of the brokenness of our own stories, like this sin-stained perspective on life because we just saw everything through this filter of sin and like, you know, what can I get for me? And is that going to bring me more pleasure? Um, I don't care what that does to someone else. I'm going to just take what's mine, right? All of that. We kind of patched together this whole operating system just from a human perspective. It's a natural operating system. But Jesus came that we would have a new operating system, that our lives would be now like gifted with this operating system based on our faith in Jesus. And guess what, you guys? It is perfect. The imperfect operating system we used to live by that kind of was glitchy and sluggish, it totally could be exploited by the enemy, was been replaced by a perfect one. Does that mean that I'm perfect? Mm -mm. No, I'm the device. I got scratches, I got dings. I've been dropped on the floor a whole bunch of times. I got issues. And I need to like be plugged in a whole lot to the wall of God's grace. (laughs) Right? Because I'm an imperfect device. But I'll tell you what, this operating system of faith is perfect. It's beautiful. It's amazing powerful. And that's the gift that we've been given. Our faith in Jesus, my friends, is the new operating system of our life. So what's the code that God used to write this operating system and and, and the functionality that it would bring to our lives? He goes on in verse four and he tells us, I believe, what the code is that he wrote in. Verse four says this, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These, listen, it's the language of code, my friends. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now listen, in computer programming, code is, it kind of refers to the set of instructions or a set of uh, rules that tell a program what actions it's expected to perform. That's what code does, right? It's these instructions or rules that tell the program, here's what you need to do. Now guess what? God's promises are the code of our faith. His promises are the code. Every promise of God, like a computer code, carries specific information that is designed to 
activate something new in our lives. I, I want you to think about this pretty diligently here for a moment with me. Every promise of God contains information that you need to know. It said, what did it say in, in 2 Peter 1, 4? That these promises enable us. They are what actually fuel us. It's like it tells us, oh, this is what's true. This is what's right. This is what I need to do. His promises are like code that activate new things in our story. And what we find is that those promises enable certain things and also protect us from other things. As you read scripture, as you interact with God's word, I really encourage you, when you come to promises, highlight them. When you come to like a promise from the Lord, listen, you need to like somehow say, oh, I am learning something new because it is so cool because when, you, when you're reading scripture and come across a promise, it's like God is showing you the source code. He's like, do you really want to understand how this operating system of faith works? Would you like to know? He said, I'm, I'm giving you the code right here, friends. Check it out. In fact, if you were uh, reading this week along with our church family, we do this thing called the 260. It's, it's we're reading one chapter a day from the New Testament, Monday through Friday, five days a week. And in doing so, we're going to read the entire New Testament each year. And just like keep soaking ourselves in this operating system, right? Like, man, God, I, I need to understand this operating system you've called us to live by. So we're doing the 260. If you were doing your 260 reading with us this week, you would have come across this promise. Check it out. Go ahead and put it up. It's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. In this one verse, you're going to see these little statements here. There's actually four promises embedded within this one verse. You ready? Check it out. Check out what it says. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Because that's a promise. It doesn't sound like, it sounds like information. No, that's a promise from God. No, because sometimes we feel like, man, nobody would understand what I'm going through. No, no one would understand. I could never go to Pastor Lisa or to Pastor Tim or to Pastor Kelly and tell them really what I'm struggling with in my life. I could never go to my spouse. I could never go to a friend because I feel like the things that I'm dealing with, no one else in the world would ever understand. But here's God's promise. Hey, the temptations you deal with, yeah, they're common. Everybody deals with this stuff. These are things that are common. It's my promise to you. You need to understand that. But then he goes on, and God is faithful. What an amazing promise we have right there, friends. It's code. Like this is information that is designed to activate something new in our lives. When we hit problems, when we don't understand what's going on, it's like we have this understanding that we didn't used to. When we were operating like in just our own operating system, this human, broken, sinful operating system, like when stuff, stuff went bad, we would collapse because we felt it was all on us to fix our own problems. There was like no geek squad to help us out, if you know what I mean. We're just on our own, trying to figure out life the best we could. 
But then God comes along and says, no, I have something new for you. In my operating system, you need to understand this. God is faithful. Life around you could be breaking apart. You could be experiencing pain. But God remains faithful to the end and beyond. And then he goes on. He, our faithful God, will not allow the temptation to be more than you could stand. Come on. Promise. Doesn't feel that way all the time. But it's his promise. He said, no, you're operating with a new operating system in which you can stand against this. It is not too big for you. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Come on. It's his promise. Doesn't say it's gonna be easy. But it's his promise. And he's faithful. He's gonna be with you through this. Promises are the code that we look for as we read through scripture. So then, okay, pastor, what about these upgrades you, you're talking about? How do I upgrade my faith? This is what, what Peter talks about next. In verse five through seven, we read this. In view of all this, in view of all what? In, in view of your faith, in view, in view of God's promises, the operating system and the code that he uses for our lives, Make every effort to add to your faith. Better circle that right now. Add to your faith. Then he gives us a list of seven things he suggests would be really helpful to add to your faith. Upgrades, goodness, and a goodness, knowledge, and a knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection, which kind of means like just human kindness. Human kindness. And a mutual affection, love. Here is where we get to the upgrades. Peter says in view of all I've just been saying, here's what you need to do about your faith. Add to it. And again, it's like this can kind of like blow us away because it's like, wait, wait a second. That, it almost sounds like heresy. Isn't my faith in God enough? Well, I guess the question would be enough for what? It's like when you bought that cell phone years ago, was it enough that you just had a cell phone? Because you've had that cell phone now for a few years and if you haven't upgraded it, uh-oh, It's either barely working or worse yet, it has been fully compromised. Your identity has been stolen and you're like afraid to even like touch it anymore. So is it enough? Well, you got a cell phone. And I think that when we say yes to Jesus, well, okay, you've got salvation. You got got that. That's great. Man, awesome. Yay. Part of the team. God's team. But if you are not upgrading your faith with these things, I'm gonna tell you, your life, and we're gonna get to this in a minute because the scripture goes on a little bit beyond this. You're gonna find that your life feels so ineffective and so unfruitful if you are not continually upgrading your faith, adding to it. And he says this, 
Paul says, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to upgrade your faith. And then he gives us these seven things, right? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Quick note here. Some lists in the Bible you don't mess with. Like, in other words, they're, they're complete. They're comprehensive and complete, like the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't mess with that. You don't add to that. You don't subtract from that. There's lists like the Shema, which is what in Judaism they refer to as the greatest commandment. The Shema, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Comprehensive. Those five things encompass every bit of our lives. You don't, there's some lists you just don't, don't mess with. Then we get to other lists in the Bible, and they're more suggestive. They're more like illustrative. Like, these are the kinds of things, you guys, you need to be paying attention to. They're really important. Like when we read the fruit of the Spirit. That's not a comprehensive list. In fact, there's other places where you're reading and say, hey, wait, this sounds a lot like the list of the fruit of the Spirit, but they're different. Why is it different? Because it's illustrative. These are the kinds of fruit that you should be bearing in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. It's not a comprehensive list. It's illustrative. It's trying to paint a picture for you. So it's using words. This is that kind of list. This is not comprehensive. These are the kinds of things that you need to be adding to your faith. Why do we know that? Well, because if you have been doing your 260 reading, just on Friday, we read in 1 Corinthians 14 that we are to eagerly be seeking spiritual gifts in our lives eagerly seeking the same kind of language we're seeing here, like make every effort to develop these spiritual gifts. But that didn't make this list. It's okay. It's covered somewhere else. That's why we need to read the whole Bible, right? And not just little parts of it because these are examples. But these seven examples, believe me, each one of them are essential for upgrades, and we're gonna be, over the next weeks, we'll be returning back to and looking at this scripture to, to gain wisdom and insight into some of these seven and some others that are essential upgrades to our faith. But here's what I want you to see, and it's here in your notes. This is so important for us to understand, folks. None of these things automatically come with faith. They must be added. Wow, what what do you mean? Why did he say to add them to your faith? Because they didn't come with your faith. Like when you said yes to Jesus, if you've done that, if you've already said yes to him, does that make you automatically a good person? No. Oh, snap. Does it make you a self-controlled person? No. Does it make you a godly person? Are you like Jesus because you said yes to Jesus? Not automatically. Now, go back to verse one or verse three, the first one we looked at, and what does it say? That Jesus has given us 
everything that we need to live this successful, thriving, godly life. Everything we need, he's given us. But we can confuse it. He gave you the operating system. That doesn't mean that you don't have to like then start working that operating system. Adding to your faith. Put it another way. God gave you the operating system in which you can thrive. He's given you everything that you need by putting your faith in him. And then he's written this code for you, these promises. Man, the Bible is filled with promises that help us understand this operating system and how we're to function. But you know what he's saying here? But I've also, I've given you the source code so that you can write code as well. And you need to be writing these things into your story. You need to be adding this code into your life. I need the code of goodness and I'm the one that has to write it. I'm the one that says, Jesus, I want to be more like you. So God, I want to add godliness to my faith. This is so important because some of you have met people who are, come on everybody, Christians. Didn't look anything like Jesus. They're mean-spirited. They're doing ugly things. Going places they shouldn't be going. Doing things with other people they should not ought to have been doing. Looking at things, putting stuff in their minds, then that garbage just flows on out of their life. Man, if I... That's what they're like. Why would I want to be a Christian? Why would I want to give my life to Jesus? This is an issue, you guys. Too many people have not upgraded their faith. All they did was they said yes to Jesus and they thought that stopped there. It's like buying that smartphone. What, you got like your iPhone 3 or whatever. (laughs) Never upgraded it. It don't work no more. (laughs) Upgrade your faith. Time to add these things and more to who you are in Christ. And if you don't, the world is watching and they're going, man, you are ineffective, you are unfruitful, and I don't want a life like you. Might we be held accountable for having lives that are non-upgraded. Then Peter goes on and tells us why. I mean, I've been telling you why, but let's, let's unpack for a second here what Peter says. Why these upgrades are so essential to our faith. He goes on, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, okay, in other words, continual upgrades, in increasing measure, like don't stop. One upgrade is great, but you need to like do this daily, increasingly. He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Underline those words. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, your faith. But whoever does not have them, you don't do these upgrades? Look what he says. They are nearsighted 
and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So he gives us two reasons here why these upgrades are essential. One's kind of positive, one's rather negative. He's telling us why they're so essential. The first one is he says, hey, if you do these things, it's gonna keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Now, sounds negative, but it's actually super positive. It's like, no, this is going to protect you from a life that is not effective. Well, what does that mean? I mean, have you ever had a cut, a bad cut? And you're like, man, how, how do I get this to heal more quickly? And your friend Ken comes to you and says, I'll just rub some dirt on it. It's worked for centuries. I heard somebody say one time, this is a good way to cure that cut. Saying, so okay, I'll try it. What do you find out? It's not effective. It doesn't work. What, what Peter is saying is, do you want a life that works? Then you need to be like upgrading your faith. Continually upgrading your faith. If you want a life that works. Sorry, Ken. Throw you under the bus like that. He didn't really say that. He made that up. We want lives that are effective. And not only effective, what, what is the other word that he says? Unproductive. We want a productive life. We want fruitfulness in our lives, yes. right? So that what we do actually bears good fruit. Rather than having these lives that are just unfruitful, man, everything I try doesn't produce what I, what I, what I wanted, what I had hoped for, what I was trying for. And what we're getting after here is that having this upgraded life actually protects us from that. To allow us to have lives that are effective and productive. Mind blown. But then he gives us this other kind of negative example. He says, yeah, people that don't upgrade, guess what? They're nearsighted. They're blind and they forget. What do they forget? The gospel. They forget that they've been cleansed from their sin. They forget what God has given them. They forget that God, that Jesus went to the cross to get us a new operating system. Then we don't have to live with this patched together, old nasty, broken operating system. And we forget, so we don't upgrade. And I love the fact that he says nearsighted and blind. You know why? Because I'm nearsighted. So I know what that means. Being nearsighted means that I can only see things clearly that are near to me. Up close, right here. People that don't upgrade, you know what? They're nearsighted. What does that mean? They are only looking at what is immediately in front of them, and that's what they're seeing. That, that's the only thing they're considering is these things that are right here in front of them. The physical, the tangible, the urgent. And so there's this tyranny of urgency that can kind of take over. Well, I don't, know. I don't have time to like look beyond. I don't have time to consider these other things. I'm just dealing with what I see right here in front of me. And man, when we're nearsighted, guys, we go blind to the things of greater importance in life. And we forget. We forget the gospel. We forget all that Jesus 
has done for us. But then he doesn't leave us here. Let's look at these last verses and then we'll, we'll come back and talk more about this next week. But he says this in verses 10 and 11 of 2 Peter 1. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard, which is kind of like, he, he said that before, right? But he said, make every effort to add these things to upgrade in our life. And he says it again. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those. God is called and chosen. You mean I've got to prove my faith? You know what that word means? Show it. By the life that we live. By these upgrades that we're putting in our life. We are showing that we are people who are living by a new way. That we're living by faith in Jesus, the faithful one. He says, so work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. Do these things, I love this, and you will never fall away. You know what that means? You're gonna quit crashing. When your life is all buggy and keeps crashing, keep dealing with all this stuff and it just life isn't working, it's ineffective and unproductive, you know what? Here's this promise. Do you hear the promise? Do you hear the code language? Do these things and you will never fall away. And then here's one more promise, if that wasn't enough. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's gonna give us his grand entrance, meaning like he's throwing the doors wide open for you. He is opening things up for you that you can't even imagine. And it's, it's, it's his eternal kingdom. We, we can get tripped up by language of like, oh, it's eternal, meaning heaven, right? Like when I die, I will experience that. No, Jesus came that his kingdom might be entered into now, today. Like the circle of his will, right? The kingdom of God that we've been talking about over the past weeks. It's like, no, we get to enter that now. There's this grand celebration and entry like, hey, come on in. I have so much for you. And it's not just when you die and someday get to go to heaven, it's for now. To live in the way of my kingdom. To understand that you have been gifted with kingdom authority by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to upgrade your faith? <laughs> How many of you are seeing the importance of not just like saying yes to Jesus once, but like realizing that he has more for us and that we have to add these things in to our story so that we would be effective, fruitful, quit crashing, and function beautifully with this kingdom authority that he has for us, not only in this life, but in the one to come. Let's pray. Jesus, I know that this is just like the first conversation in a, a new direction. We've used a lot of illustrations and 
technological language. And God, I pray that that just doesn't trip people out. But Lord, that you would speak to each one here today or who's watching or listening online. And God, I pray that you would birth a new hunger within us to go further than we've gone before. Lord, to add to our faith, Lord, those things, Lord, that are essential if we are to have fruitful and productive lives. And Lord, you're doing this because you love us. Not because you want to like cram us into some operating system that doesn't fit. He says, no, I'm your creator. Like I made you so I know how you will best function and thrive in life, in relationship, in work, in health, in every area of your story. I created you to flourish and thrive. But here's what I need you to do to step into that, to lay hold of it, to move forward with it. So Jesus, would you just begin to prepare our hearts? Prepare our hearts. And Lord, wherever we realize that we have not been moving forward in you, we have not been upgrading, Lord, our faith. That God, that we would feel something of your conviction there today. Lord, that we would start to recognize, God, this is not good. I need to begin to make changes so that I can move forward in you. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Have our ministry team come forward. And to finish just with this one thought, that before you can add to your faith, you need to say yes to a faith in Jesus. And there may be some here today that you haven't started that process. You're still operating, right, with that old operating system in life. And he's got a new one for you. And it's beautiful, it's awesome. It is so, so amazing when you switch those operating systems by saying yes to Jesus. I've already talked about it, preached about it, but now I'm urging you, don't leave today without saying yes to Jesus. How are you gonna do that? Today it's gonna be real simple. When when I dismiss the service in a second, you can just come up to one of these awesome people and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Are are you gonna know everything you need to know? No, that's why you gotta keep adding to that yes. But it starts with your yes. It starts by saying yes to Jesus and accepting the invitation that he has for you. So I urge you, like Paul was saying, make every effort, make every effort to add to your faith but at the start, just by saying yes to Jesus. Church, you are loved. And next Sunday, we're gonna go deeper into this and uncover more, I believe, that God's got for us as we upgrade our faith. Have a great week, friends.